So the shir tonight has been sponsored by Rabbi Lozar Frankel. This is in honor of his grandfather's yard site, Rabbi Lozar Nisan ben Rabbi Nachem Mendel. May he have the Nisham have a great Aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he shower down upon you much, much, much blessings for you and your Mishpacha and all that you need and all that you want. Gesund Parnasa. With all, all, all the goodies. Thank you so much. We are now in the three weeks of the year, which we have to transform them into the happiest time of the year. Um, and when we learn the Torah portions, we draw the energy, we draw the light, we draw the power to find the goodies, to find the light, to find the joy in the midst of the darkness. So it's interesting... Every week of the three weeks, if you look in the parshas, you can find the dark elements if you're looking for darkness, or you can find the bright elements. You can find the bright elements if you're looking for light. Uh, over here, the Hasidic way is to look for light. So we're looking for light, and uh, here's the light. Um, first of all, parshas Pinchas, the very word Pinchas, we know that Pinchas, Gemara says Pinchas is Eliyahu, Pinchas is Eliyahu. Eliyahu Anavi is a crucial being for the Giyula, for the redemption. Eliyahu Anavi is the man of the redemption. He is the one who announces the redemption. So when you come to Pasha's Pinchas and you know Pinchas is Eliyahu, which means Elijah the prophet, Right away, the name of the parsha means it's, it's Mashiach. It's all about the one who we're waiting for to come and tell us about the redemption. Further, when we go into Parshas Pinchas, we have a big section that deals in the end of the parsha. First of all, there's a portion in Parshas Pinchas that deals with counting the Jewish people, taking account, taking a census of, of the Jewish people. And we know that there are nine countings that we so far had in history, the Jewish people were counted by God nine times. So says the Medrash. But nine is not the complete number. The complete number is ten. 
So there is going to be a tenth count. And the tenth count is going to be the count that is going to happen in the days of Mashiach. So when we read in the parsha about counting, the mitzvah of counting the Jewish people, again, the geula is in our face. We're waiting for the final count. Again, Moshiach. So the first story is Moshiach. The second story, counting the Jewish people, is Moshiach. The third story in the parsha deals about taking possession of the land. Well, that's Moshiach again. Exile is all about being chased away from the land. Geula is, You will gather all the, those that are scattered from the four corners of the world and bring them back to the land. So you have a parsha that deals with the Jewish people's conquest of the land. There is going to be the great conquest of the land even greater than ever before, as we're going to speak about, and we spoke about a few weeks ago, is going to be the perfect conquest of Eretz Yisrael. Is going to be when Mashiach comes. So instead of this parsha, we're learning about being distant. And it's interesting. We don't have taking possession of Eretz Yisrael until this week's parsha. We have a promise that we're going to go to Eretz Yisrael, but we don't have instructions of how to inherit its land. It's not yet hands-on. It's not practical. Until parsha has pinchas, the whole Eretz Yisrael, the whole land of Israel is theoretical. It's a promise. It's an idea. But it's not practical. Parsha Shalach, we're getting close to it, but we messed up. We derailed it for 40 years. But in Parshas Pinchas, the Eberster is giving those instructions, how you're going to do it, cast lots, eat shavit, who's going to, which exact instructions of how we're going to divide the land. So this is taking possession of Eretz Yisrael, the mitzvah of taking possession of Eretz Yisrael. Parshas Pinchas. So that's Giyula, that's Mashiach. It's huge. What is God telling us in the entire Torah portion that comes out the first week of the three weeks? Every single story is Giyula. The next situation in Parshas Pinchas is the mitzvah of the Yom Tovim and the mitzvah of the special sacrifices that are offered on every Yom Tov. The additional sacrifice, we call the Karba Musaf. Well, that's we can only do when we have a Beis Amigdash, when we have a temple. So here you have the Beis Amigdash. In a sense, it's the parsha of Yom Tev. There's two parshas, Hamoadim. One parsha of the Yom Tovim is an emor, tells you the mitzvah of all the holidays. Parshas Pinchas is another parsha of all the Yom Tovim. And the reason why Parshas Pinchas is a parsha of all the Yom Tovim and its connection to the three weeks is because we're waiting for the two of the greatest holidays to kick in. And that is the 17th of Av that we had yesterday or two days ago on Shabbos, and Tisha B'Av. When Mashiach will come, these two days are going to be celebrated with great festivity. Not only will they also be holidays, Yom Him Toivim, but they will tower above all the other holidays. Because it says that all the holidays will become nullified by the light of Mashiach. That's what it says. That the irregular Tuesday in the Messianic era is going to be so bright that the brightness of Pesach is not going to be noticed. It's like holding a candle in the middle of the middle of the day, two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, right in on the uh, outside, maybe uh, at the beach, where it's so bright, so much sunlight. So, what are you holding a candle? What is it helping you? 
So it says that even though we're going to have Pesach, we're going to have Shavuos Sukkot, but it's going to be dull compared to the everyday light of Mashiach. But not the 17th of Tammuz, not Teshuvah, because they're going to be celebrating the coming of Mashiach itself. So these are going to be super bright days, super joyous days, unbelievable days. Perhaps even greater than the joy of Purim. Not perhaps, for sure. Because Purim, it says, is the one day that's not going to be canceled when Mashiach comes. Purim is going to be significant even in the light of Mashiach. But these days, Shivasa Batamas Tishavah. So we're going to have extra Yomim Tovim. That's why we read Parshas Pinchas with all the holidays. Now, where is Shivasa Batamas and, and Tishavah mentioned and the other two? Asara Batavis, the 10th of Tavis, and Sam Gedalia. Where is it mentioned in Parshas Pinchas? I don't know, but it's somewhere there. It must be encoded. Embedded, because that's going to be a holiday for the Jewish people for all of eternity. So what's Parshas Pinchas? The entire Parshas Pinchas is all Moshiach. Geula, redemption. So how much is left of the three dark weeks? Not too much. If uh, once you uncover the secret that Pinchas is all redemption, it's great. Then we'll see Matis Masai as well, but now we're working with Pinchas. In any case... I want to focus on tonight the second, um, yeah, the, the second idea that we spoke about. The taking of the possession of the land of Parshas Pinchas. No, no, that was the third idea. There was Pinchas, was Elio, the announcer of the redemption. There was the counting of the Jewish people, which the tenth one is going to be in the days of Mashiach. There is, the third idea was taking possession of the land. This is exciting. Soon we're all going to have Eretz Yisrael uncontested. The whole world will recognize it. We're much closer we are today than we were two years ago to that reality. We're much, it's unbelievable how much closer we are to that reality. If you think about where we were three years ago in terms of the world pressure that we're going to get that we're going to that we're going that we're going to have to resolve the Palestinian conflict by tearing Israel apart and tearing Jerusalem apart to appease the Palestinians now everybody knows it's not even a dream no two state solution it ain't happening and it's never going to happen Eretz Yisrael what they don't know is that we're going to get a much bigger chunk than they even think there's a much greater area going to be added onto Eretz Yisrael. The land of the three other nations, the children of Esau, the children of Ammon and Moab, all that is going to be annexed to Eretz Yisrael. It's going to be much, much greater. Because Hashem promised Avram Avinu, and guess what? We don't have to be ashamed and afraid to say it in the microphone. It's going to be ours. And we're not taking it away from anybody. You know why? Because Hashem promised it to our Father and God is the one who decides the world. So we don't have to be apologetic about it. That's the reality. It was always ours. These three countries actually were not. They're going to be added after Mashiach comes. But God will give it to us. And the whole world will, at that point, will recognize Hashem. So everybody will make peace with the idea. Because you can't fight City Hall, right? That's the way it's going to be once Mashiach comes. any case... What people don't know is that we know that the land of Israel is divided into 12 portions. That's the way it was when we went into the land of Israel back with Joshua, with Yeshua. 
The land of Eretz Yisrael is divided into 12 portions. Well, that was the previous division. The future division of Eretz Yisrael is going to be to 13 lots, 13 portions. And that's what it says in the Talmud, the Gemara, in Masechtis, Tractate Baba Basra, page Kufchav Bez, that's page 122, Ahmed Aleph, the first side of the page. It says over here, right at the top of the page, Tanya, we also learned in a Shvatim. Now the land of Israel is going to be divided into 13 portions. Shabbat Chila, and that's a novelty, because in the beginning, Because in the first time we went in, it was divided only to 12 lots. When Mashiach will come, it's going to be divided into 13 portions. Okay. So what is that 13th portion? Who's going to, why 13? Why do we need 13? We only have 12 tribes. So that is related to something that it says in this week's Parsha, Parsha's Pinchas. And Parsha's Pinchas it says, Perek Chavav, in Numbers, in Bamidbar, chapter 26, verse 53. Perek Chavav, Pasuk Nun Gimel. It says, Le'ela techaleka aretz. To these you should divide the land. It means to all the people, all the Jewish people that were then, at this point already, the, it was already the generation that was destined to die in the wilderness died. This is already the next generation, the younger generation, the children. They are all grown up already and they're ready to go take possession of the land. So the Sifri, which is a, comment, which is a midrashic commentary or on the midrashic halachic kind of a commentary on Chumash, um, Sifri says from the words, to these you should divide the land, it means everybody. It implies to Kohen, to the Levites, to the Levites, and to Yisrael, to all the Jewish people. So the Safri says, from reading over here, we would think everybody is going to have a portion in the land of Israel. The Safri says, take a breath. Because a few weeks ago, we studied Parshas Korach. And in Parshas Korach, it says an exception. Both to the Kohanim and to the Levim. So the Kohanim, it says like this, Vayomer Hashem el Aro. This is in Perek Yudches, chapter 18, Pasuk Chaf, verse number 20. It says, Vayomer Hashem el Aro. Hashem says to Aaron, Ba'artzam, in their lands, Lotinchal. Aaron, the high priest, you and your children, and your entire family of Kohanim, okay, in the land of Israel, you will not have an inheritance. V'chelek and a portion, lo yiyalacha, will not be to you, b'seicham amongst you. B'seicham amongst them. Why? Ani chelkacha, I'm your lot, God says. V'nachlascha, I'm your inheritance, b'toch b'nei Yisrael. You have me. You don't have a piece of land. I'm your lot. Beautiful words. But on the other hand, God is saying to, to the Kohanim, 
you don't have ownership in Eretz Yisrael. Now, it didn't mean where did the Kohanim live? They didn't live in space. Where did the Kohanim live? Oh, so we see later that every tribe was obligated to give certain, certain portions, certain little cities, villages, they had to give to the Levites, to the Levim, to the Kohanim, Levim. But they don't have any land that's considered their, their own territory. Every Shevet has a portion in Eretz Yisrael, not the Kohanim. This Pasuk is talking about the Kohanim. Chapter, as I said, verse 20. Perik Yudches, Parshas Korach, Pasuk Chav. Pasuk Chav Dalid is talking about the greater tribe, all the Levites, all the Levim. It says, I've given them a tithing, a tithe, a tenth, a tenth of all, all produce you have to give to the, to, the, to the Levium. That means the Jews have to give, they can't, the, the, because the Levium, meaning every Jew is obligated to give a tenth of all of his crops to the tribe of Levi. Therefore I said to them, Amongst the Jewish people, they should not inherit an inheritance. So there are two psukim over here. One is referring to the Kohanim, and the other one is referring to the greater tribe of Levi. We know the Kohanim are a subsection of the, of the Levium. The Kohanim are also descendants of Levi. But the Kohanim are, from within Levi, the chosen of the chosen. The Levites are chosen. The Kahanim are the chosen of the chosen. And God says, both of you, the greater tribe and the, tri- and the group of, and the family of, Ko- of Kohanim, you do not have a portion in the land of Israel. So that's what the Safri says. Initially, I would think everybody, but once I go back in Pasha's Korach and I see that the, Le- the Kohanim and the Leviim are exempt, means that they don't have a portion. So it says over here, Rambam, in the laws of Shemitah and Yovel, okay, in the laws of the sabbatical years and the jubilee year, Rambam says in Perek Yud Gimel, chapter thirteen, Halacha Yud, Kol Shevet Levi Muzharin Shaloyin Chalu Be'eretz Kenan, Shevet Levi, the entire tribe of the Levites, are warned. They have a, a prohibition. God prohibited them. They may not take a portion in the land of Canaan. And also they're not allowed to take when the Jews go out to war. And they, there, is, there is loot. There is possessions that they take in the war that they go. The, the Levium are not supposed to take part of that loot. Okay, and he brings the verse. The, Jew, the, the Levites, the Kohanim, don't have a chelek and a nachla with the Jewish people. Okay. And then the Ramam goes so far and he says, if a, if a, if a, if so, if a Levi or a Kohen takes a portion in the loot, coming back when an army comes back, or if he goes and he takes a portion in the land of Israel and claims, I have rights because I'm a Jew, and every Jew has real estate in Israel, they have to be forcefully removed from it. They have to be evicted. It's not to them. Besides, the cities that are given to them, but to go and claim that I have an inheritance, Kohanim are not allowed to take 
a part of the land of Eretz Yisrael. That is a halacha, it's a mitzvah. Fine. Now let's go back to what the Talmud says. The Gemara says that what? That in the future, the land of Israel is going to be divided into 13 tribes. The Gemara over here. Sorry, into 13 portions. So the Mishnah Lamelech, who is a commentator on Rambam, on Maimonides, the Mishnah Lamelech, over here on this halacha, quotes Kol Shevet Levi, Kosov HaSmag. Smag is one of the Rishonim who wrote, it's called Sefer Mitzvahs Gadol. He enumerated all the commandments, all the mitzvahs, and he wrote commentary on the mitzvahs. So he writes the Smag, the La'asad Lave, that this prohibition that the Levites don't get a portion in Eretz Yisrael, that is only in the land of Israel of now. But La'asad Lavoi, in the possession of the land of Eretz Yisrael, that's going to be where Mashiach comes, Noitlin Chelek Ba'aretz, they are going to have a portion in the land. Shanemar, as it says, he brings a Pasuk in Yecheskel, Shar Levi Echod. It's a Pasuk in Ezekiel, in Yecheskel, where over there in the end it describes, Mamash, all the way in the end of Sefer Yecheskel. I have it open over here. It describes the gates, the Sha'orim of the wall. I think it's, I don't know if it's the wall of the Beis Amigdash, the wall of the Harabayas. I think it's referring to the wall of the Harabayas. Har- Har- no, the walls of the city. The Sha'are Ha'ir, the gates, the entranceways to the city of Yerushalayim are going to be for the names of the Shvatim, for the names of the tribes. Three of them are going to be to the north. Entering Jerusalem, there are going to be three entranceways on the north. One is going to be for the tribe of Ruvain, one for the tribe of Yehuda, and one for the tribe of Levi, Shar Levi Echad. That's to the northern side of the city. Now, to the eastern side of the city, there will be five entrances. Um, Shar Yosef, one is the gate of Yosef, Shar Binyamin, the gate of Yom, uh, 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 Binyamin, Shar Don Echad. No, I made a mistake. It's not five gates. Shlosha, three gates. Sorry. It says Chamesh Meos, the size of it, 500, whatever. But the gates are three Yosef, Binyamin, and Don. They're going to be on the east side of the city. The southern side, Pas Negba, the, the southern side is also another three. Shimon, Yisachar, and Zavulin. And on the west, there's another three. God, Asher, and Aftali. Oh, Twelve. Twelve entrances to the city. Corresponding to the twelve tribes. But if you looked at, if you heard, paid, paid attention, on the first side, on the northern side, it mentions an entranceway for Levi. Shar Levi So this is an indication that Levi is going to have a portion in the land of Israel. Because that... The, well, the arm of Arshim that say, like, how do you derive that? We're going to see soon. The, Rish, the Rishash asks that question. It's not talking about portions of Eretz Yisrael. It's talking about an entranceway into Jerusalem. 
how they will enter, from which, from which shar, or they're named that. I don't know if they have to enter that way. I mean, you can enter Jerusalem from different places. It could be because they're, they're, their lands are in that direction, that's why. Maybe from there we derive it. Since we're putting them in a certain direction, is a sign that their land is in that direction. Whatever it is, from here is where the, the, um, the, um, the smag says from this pasuk, you see that Levi is going to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael, which we didn't have until now. The Levites are going to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael. Now, it would make sense to say that that's what it means in the Gemara when the Gemara says it's going to be divided into 13 lots. How do we have 13? Because we know that there are 12 tribes, including Levi. Including Levi, there are 12 tribes. But hold it. Levi did not take a portion in Eretz Yisrael the first time we came in. And yet Eretz Yisrael was divided in 12, right? We said earlier that in, in, when Yeshua came, it was divided in 12. But Levi did not take a portion, so what are the 12? Everybody knows that Yosef is divided into two tribes, Ephraim and Menashe. So therefore, there you go, there you have 13. Then Levi didn't take, so it was. In the first conquest, Levi didn't take. So there was 12. Ephraim and Menashe, each one took a portion in Eretz Yisrael. Um, and, Levi didn't, and, and Levi didn't get. So you had 12. But in the future conquest, the Ezra Sashem, any day when we're going to have Eretz Yisrael Bishlemus, so then Levi is also going to get, and that's the 13th, that's the 13th, um, that's the 13th portion for Shevet Levi. Right? Judaism would be very, very simple if things would be simple, right? But nothing is simple because everything is complicated. And you're saying, perfect, right? We're ready to go. We're ready to close the book. Great. Last conquest was 12 because you have 11 tribes and one tribe is split in half. So it's 12. And uh, in the future we have 13. That would be nice. But the Gemara, on the same page that I just brought you, the passage of the Gemara, that the future is going to have 13 portions, the Gemara asks the question. What's the Gemara's question? Um, the Master said, that Eretz Yisrael is going to be divided into 13 portions. The 13th one is for who? The Gemara asks the question. Why do we have 13? Who is the 13th portion in Eretz Yisrael? Omer Rav Chista says, Lenasi, to the king. The 13th portion is to the king. Who is the king? Oh, you're getting excited, right? That's good. Yeah. Hold on one second. Let's find over here. Lenasi. So should I trust what she's saying? Or should we look in the Rajbam? Into the, there's no Rashi on Baba, Baba Basra. There's Rajbam, Rashi's grandson. Lenasi, Lamelech HaMashiach. To the King Mashiach. 
So Mashiach is the one who's going to have an entire portion in Eretz Yisrael, a huge piece of land. It's going to belong to Mashiach. Maybe an equal portion to all the other tribes. It's going to be Mashiach's private uh, land. Okay? So the Gemara clearly is saying that the 13th belongs to Mashiach. So it's not so simple that the 13th is going to be for Levi. Because we have 12 without Levi. We have 12 without Levi. Because you have Ephraim and Menashe are divided as two. So we read the Rajbam. Okay, Rajbam, as he said, he's like the Rashi. In Masechtis Baba Basri, he's the Rashi. The Oitanya. So he says that Eretz Yisrael is going to be divided to 13 Shvatim. Koloimar doesn't mean tribes. It doesn't mean, the, the Gemara says it will be divided to 13 tribes. The Rajbam edits. And he says it doesn't mean 13 tribes. It means to 13 lots, 13 portions. Why? And the Gemara is going to explain soon who is the 13th one. Oy sechelek you're going to say, if you're going to say it's to the tribe of Levi, which Levi is going to take a portion like the rest of the tribes. So the Rajbam is saying clearly that Levi is going to have a portion when Mashiach comes in the land. Like it says in Yecheskel, that Levi has an entrance way into the city, which is implying, again, they're all implying the same idea, that just because they have an entrance into Jerusalem, one entrance that's designated to them, it's a, that's a sign that they have a portion in the land of Israel. So the Rajbam says, also, oh, that's why you have 13. He says, no. That still does not make it 13. That leaves you with 12. Why? Because even though in the past conquest, Menashe and Ephraim were separate, two portions, when Mashiach will come, Menashe and Ephraim will become back again one tribe. And it will be one tribe, it will be the tribe of Yosef. It won't be anymore Menashe and Ephraim. It will be Yosef. So therefore, even though you're adding Levi to the twelve. You're subtracting one from the twelve because you're turning two of them into one. So you're back with twelve. That's why the Gemara asks, who is the thirteenth? And the Gemara answers, it's going to be Mashiach's land. So first of all, it's exciting. Why is it exciting? Because we go to so many shiurim and we learn so much Torah and we don't discuss these exciting things. We're going to Eretz Yisrael very soon. Did anybody ever hear that Mashiach is going to have a big, bigger than Trump's golf courses? You know, he has his, his area. He's going to have Mashiach's place. Okay, he's the king he should have. That's number one. That's exciting. Did we all ever hear this discussion? Is Shavit Levi going to have a chilek in Eretz Yisrael? Now, yes. So the Rajbam says clearly, that Levi is going to take possession in the land of Israel. But it's still not going to make it 13 because Menashe and Ephraim are going to become one. As he brings the Pasuk, Remember I was going through the Shars, the gates? And, for, and when it mentions all the gates, it mentions there's a gate to Yosef. It doesn't say a gate to Ephraim and a gate to Menashe. It's a gate to Yosef. 
Nimtza Yud Bei Shvatim is 12 Shvatim. 12. And therefore the, the 13th one, Vahayud Gimel, Lenasi, will be to the Nasi. Kedalekamon. Fine. Tosvos. Tosvos. That's the Rashbam. There's another famous commentator on Talmud called the Tosvos. Tosvos in, the, in, the, in this, on his... Uh, uh, commentary on the pasuk on the on the on the, the heading is ve'idach laman. The thirteenth one is to who? Afal gav dechsiv shar levi echad. He says the same idea. Even though it says levi is going to have one entrance way, which implies again they're all assuming that because you're having a, an entrance is a sign that you're having a portion of the land of Israel. Haksiv namer shar Yosef echad. It says the gate of Yosef is one. So you're adding Levi, but you're subtracting one, so you're left with 12. That's what the Gemara means. Who is the 13th? El Echad, fine. That's the Gemara. So it seems to be a clear, a clear, um, 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 accepted idea that when Moshiach will come, shave it Levi, is going to take possession and have a portion in Eretz Yisrael. Not so fast. The Shita Mekubetzas, who's a, a, one of the gathering of Rishonim, of commentators, commentaries from the Rishonim on Gemara, brings Rabbeinu Nisim, he brings the Ran. The Ran challenges the Rajbam. And the Ran asks a few questions. The Ramban says, first of all, if you look in Sefer Yecheskel, what are you saying, Rajbam? What did, what did you just say? That what? That Ephraim and Manasseh are going to take one portion? Just because it says they have one entrance, Shar Yosef, there's going to be an entrance for Yosef, is implied that Ephraim and Manasseh are going to have only one portion in the land of Israel, unlike the past when they had two. The Ramban says, if you look in Sefer Yecheskel, a few... A few Parakim before that, this is in Perek Memches, all the way in the end of Yechezkel. We go to Perek Memhei in the book of Ezekiel, where it actually talks about all the possessions of all the portions, where each tribe is going to take. It gives specifically boundaries for Ephraim and specific boundaries for Manasseh. So it says clearly that there is going to be two different um, um, possessions for Ephraim and Manasseh. That's number one, he asks a question. So he's, he's questioning the idea that the Rajbam is saying that Ephraim and Manasseh are going to be one. He says, you look in Yecheskel, you see that there is two separate lots for Ephraim and Manasseh. In addition to that, he questions. He says, what are you telling me? Shavit Levi is going to have a portion in the land of Israel in the future? If you look, what is your proof? Because it says in the Shar, the entrance, he says, well, you look earlier in, in Sefer Yecheskel, it's describing that initially when we divide the land, we have to take a big portion of Eretz Yisrael, of the land of Israel, a certain section, and designate it to God, which is the place of the Beis Amigdash. Okay, that's Hashem's property. That belongs, right? So that is... It's called truma. We're giving truma to Hashem. We're giving, just like everything we own, we have to give truma. We have to take a portion and separate it. So the first truma we have to give of the land is we give a portion to God. Then it says, from that portion, you should take part of it 
and you give a strip of land and it tells you exactly the measurements where the Kohanim are going to live. Which is adjacent to the place of the Beis Amigdash. Which is again a chidush, a novelty in the future. This was not in the past. It doesn't say anywhere in the past that the Kohanim had specific area that was a Kohen zone in, in Jerusalem. Well, in, 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 when Mashiach will come, there will be a strip of land that is given to the Kohanim. And then it says in Pasuk Hay, that's in Perik, again, in Yechesko Mem Hay, Pasuk Beis and Gimel, is talking about the Kohanim. For the Mishar Se Hamigdash, Kodesh Mena Aretzula Kohanim, Mishar Se Hamigdash, those who are attending the Rebbeis Hamigdash, that they should live close, Yeah, Craven, they should live close, L'Shar Es Hashem, to attend God. And they will have a place for their own homes. Okay? And then it says 25,000 length and 10,000 wide. I don't know if it's cubits or whatever it is. That is That's going to be the portion that's going to be given to the Levites. Those who attend to the Beis HaMikdash. So it says clearly... That this is, and this is not considered a, this is not considered one of the portions that is given. Again, this is not part of the division of Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is divided to 13 portions. But before you divide it, you have to take from everybody, a, a, meaning you have to take, you, you minimize all the other 13 parts, because a certain section is given first to the Beis Amigdash, then to the Kohanim and then to the Leviim. Not as part of the 13. This is just, meaning it's not really that they own that land. They just need a place to live in. We're allowing them to live in it because this is the area where they're working. So he argues, the Ran, Rabbeinu Nesna, argues clearly that Levi does not have a portion in Eretz Yisrael, even after Mashiach comes. Everybody gives them a portion, just like in the past. Every tribe had to give a small portion to the Levium. Some of the cities were given small cities, and amongst all, scattered amongst all of Israel, everybody had to give to the Levium. When Mashiach will come, the Levium will have a huge section next to the Beis Amigdash. But that's not considered as one of the, one of the divisions of the land of Eretz Yisrael. So he's, he's, he's questioning the Rajbam from direct Psukim in Yechezkel, where Shevet Levi is not given a ordinary portion in Eretz Yisrael. And, and to add to his question, he says, how can you say that Shevet Levi is going to be given an portion in Eretz Yisrael when it contradicts the Psukim in Chumash? It contradicts what it says explicitly in the Chumash itself. We just, I just quoted you the Psukim where, the, where there is a prohibition. I brought you from the Rambam. It says explicitly, that Shevet Levi is not allowed to take possession in the land of Israel. They're not allowed to. It's prohibited. It doesn't, it doesn't say the future. Just like when it says you're not allowed to eat mosquitoes. Is that going to be that one day you can eat mosquitoes? No, you can never eat mosquitoes. You're not allowed to eat wool and linen. You're not allowed to wear wool and linen. In the future you could. No, the Torah is forever. Where do we come up with this idea that in the future it will change? That's the Ran's question. That's the Ran's question. He says, I don't get it. How did you just go permit a prohibition in the Torah? Shevet Levi is not allowed to have a, 
is now going to have a portion. Okay. Whatever the answers are is not important now. The main idea is what I wanted to bring out is that this is an argument. This is a matter of dispute. If Shavit Levi is going to have a portion, and, 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 and oh, by the way, and, 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 and um, the, so the Ram, the Ram asks the question, ah, if so, what does it mean when it says, Shar Echad Levi, one entranceway will be for Levi? So the Ram says, because the Levi, the Leviim are going to have, they're going to be given part of Mashiach's portion. Knows Mashiach is going to have the Levium kind of live with him in his territory. I said one of the 13 territories is going to be for the Levium. So that's why it mentions, that's why they have a special entranceway that is related to their portion that they're So it looks like they're having more than one place. They're having a place next to the base Amigdash, which is given for the Levium. And they're also given land, kind of Mashiach includes his tribe, so to speak. They're not his tribe, but. Uh, they seem to be his chassidim, the, the Levium. Uh, they belong to Mashiach, and therefore they have land in, 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 in that point. But that's how he answers it. But what, the main thing is what I'm trying to get to, is that there is a machlokas. There is two opinions, if Shevet Levi is going to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael, or they're not going to have a portion in the land of Israel. The question is, what does Rambam hold? What is the opinion of Rambam? Okay? So the Minchas Chinuch, Minchas Chinuch is... Uh, lived about um, between 100 and 200 years ago. He was a great scholar, and he wrote a pirish on the mitzvahs of the Torah and Sefer Hachinuch. He wrote it, and he brings up the Rambam, and he wants to derive from Maimonides, from Rambam, that Rambam is of the agrees with the second opinion I mentioned that Shevet Levi does not have a portion in Eretz Yisrael. And his main proof is, because in the laws of Shemitah and Yovel, when the Rambam says, when the Rambam says that Shevet Levi is not allowed to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael, Rambam doesn't say that in the future they will. Why? If it would be the case that in the future they will, Rambam should say it. The very fact that Rambam did not say it explicitly is a sign that he doesn't agree with that. He holds Shevet Levi is not going to have. And to, to, to further his, his point, you might argue Rambam is not talking the future. Rambam is talking about now. So he says no, because we see in Hilchis um, earlier in, uh, where is it? In Hilchis Malachim, in Laws of Kings, in the Laws of Kings, the Rambam says, Perek Dalid. In the laws of kings, Rambam says, hear this. HaMelech HaMashiach Noitul Mikol HaRotzei Shekoivshin Yisrael Moshiach is going to take from all the lands that the Jewish people are going to conquer Chelek Echod Mishloi Shesrei One one chalik, one thirteenth. Everything that it's conquered amongst the, from the Jewish people, they divide into thirteen parts. Mashiach gets a thirteenth of it. and this is a law, law ilubanov ad olam for him and for his children forever. This goes on forever for all of eternity. 
if the Jewish people possess land, any new conquest, Mashiach gets a 13th of it. So you see, Ramam is clearly stating the halach of what's going to be in Eretz Yisrael in the future. But Ramam does not say that Shevet Levi will take. So this is one of the main proofs of the Minchas Chinuch, that the Ramam is of the opinion that Levi will not have a chilek in the land of Israel. The Lubavitch Rebbe wants to disagree with the Minchas Chinuch. And he is of the opinion that the Rambam would agree that Levi does have a chilek in Eretz Yisrael. And what's the Rebbe's argument? What's the main argument of the Rebbe of why to prove from the Rambam that, the, that Shevet Levi is going to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael when Mashiach will come? He says it's because the smag, he was the one that I mentioned earlier, the first one who says explicitly that, the, that Levi is going to have a chilek in Eretz Yisrael. He puts it amongst his mitzvahs that, that Shevet Levi says explicitly is going to have. He says the smag usually always follows the Rambam. The Smag is a very great follower of Maimonides. And therefore, if the Smag brings this plain, simple, this as a statement, it's probably because he saw it in the Rambam. He understood that way from Rambam. To make it clearer, when the Smag says... That what? That Levi is going to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael. He says it immediately after he quotes a quotation from Maimonides. He brings something that Rambam says, and then if right in continuation to that, he says that, Yidnar, that Levi is going to have a chilek in Eretz Yisrael. Implying that he sees that in Rambam. What, is, what does he quote from the Rambam? So I quoted to you before the law number 10, Halacha Yud in Rambam, where Rambam says that Shevet Levi is prohibited from taking a portion in Eretz Yisrael. Okay? The Rambam makes an exemption. In, in Halacha Yud Aleph, in Halacha 11, Rambam makes a very important exemption. Yeroeli, it appears to me, this is his own thought, this is the Rambam's own idea, this is what he derived. No, he's not quoting what it says in Shas. He's giving you his own, his own idea. He says, it appears to me, This prohibition for Levi, for taking portion in the land of Israel, that the Torah places a prohibition that they're not allowed to have a portion, is only on the land that God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, and Jacob, but Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are for us. The Yarshuhu B'neim, and their children took possession of it, when, when Yeshua brought us in, we took possession of it. And it was divided to them. But what happens in the future? All other countries, when a Jewish king will get permission, Rambam doesn't say it here, but elsewhere Rambam says that any conquest that a Jewish king does on behalf of the Jewish people, and he does it with the approval of the Sanhedrin, of the, of the high court, and according, I think, I, I don't know if it has to also be Alpinavi, maybe it does have to be with the, with, with the consent of a prophet, I'm not sure about that, but if he sure needs the approval of the Beisdin, if it is done, then what? Then that portion, that, that becomes part of Israel. That's the halacha. If after we conquer all of Eretz Yisrael, the land of the seven, 
a king decides that he wants to add more to the land of Israel, if the king of Israel would decide to conquer Egypt, back then, King David would have gone to conquer Egypt, then Egypt would become part of Eretz Israel. The reason why the lands that King David conquered, King David did conquer certain lands, and they were not, did not become part of Eretz Israel, is because David, David did something he shouldn't have done. He was criticized. He went out to conquer other countries before he finished conquering, completed the conquest that God promised. There's a certain area that God promised is ours, that we have to take possession first. And the Gemara says, had David HaMelech first conquered all the lands that are ours, and then he would have gone out and conquered other lands, those lands would become completely part of Eretz Yisrael. So now the Ramah is saying, that if, if any time in history, a Jewish king who has legitimate king, who is legitimate a king, and he conquers a land legitimately, and he annexes that to Eretz Yisrael, the Levim are allowed to take possession in that land. They not only allowed to, they get a portion of it. This whole restriction that we say that Levi does not get a portion is only in Eretz Yisrael proper. But Eretz Yisrael that gets added on later through a conquest of the king, the Ramam says, The Kohanim and the Levim are in those lands part the same like, like, like the rest of the Jewish people. They can take possession. This halacha yud aleph. Now the smag, let's, let's go back. When the smag brings, the, the smag brings this, this, this passage from Rambam, permitting the Levian to take possession in lands that are not Eretz Yisrael. In continuation to that he says, but when Mashiach comes, Avola Osid Lavoi. When Mashiach will come, the words of the Smag is La Osid Lavoi. When Mashiach comes, Noitlim Chelik, they take a portion Baaretz in Eretz Yisrael itself. Since the Smag is bringing, following the Rambam first, and then he and then he he adds his own addition in one breath from the Rambam. He says, but in the future they will have Eretz Yisrael. It is implied that the Smag at least understood that Rambam holds so. And he's following in the Rambam's footsteps. Okay. If we're going to accept that, that we have a whole bunch, we have serious, serious proof over here. Now I'm a lady, so I want to fight for this as much as I can, okay? Because, um, you know, I want to own some Eretz, Eretz Yisrael land. I know you're going to say and say, hey Rabbi, you have God as your inheritance. I want land also. Okay? Good. So that's why I'm fighting so ferociously for this. Okay, so we got Tosfis over here. We got Tosfis, who agrees with this. The Rajbam agrees with this. The Smak says it. And now the Rebbe says that the Rambam is also of that opinion. But we have some serious objections that the Ran asked before, and we're going to clarify the question, and then we're going to answer the question. I'm going to get to the chassidus of this. This is very important. So the idea is, the question over here is a simple question. Duran posed a serious, serious objection. The Torah said clearly that what? That Levi is not allowed to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael. We also have a rule that Rambam tells us in Hilchis, Yisodei Torah, one of the fundamentals of Judaism. 
that no one, even a prophet, is allowed to meddle with the Torah. No one is allowed to come and make changes to the law of Moses, to the laws of Moshe Rabbeinu. On what are we basing this whole idea that there's going to be a 13th portion in Eretz Yisrael? On what are we basing it? Where does it say? It doesn't say so in Chumash. It says so in Sefer Yecheskel. From here they derive, there's a 13th portion. And from here is where they're deriving that Levi has a portion. How can a Navi come and change something that says specifically in the Torah that it's not that way? Torah says Levi is not allowed to have a portion, and here the Navi is coming, or at least the way Rambam, Tosvos, Rajbam, Smag, they're all interpreting the Navi to say that Shevet Levi is going to have a portion in Eretz Yisrael. How do you change a mitzvah? The law is you can, that the 613 mitzvahs can never be uprooted. They can't be uprooted. They can't be changed. That's, by the way, the Minchas Chinuch, he asks the question. He also asks the question. The Ran really objects, and the Minchas Chinuch brings that same question. He says, how are you going to change a, one of the 613 commandments? We can't nullify a commandment. That's why Judaism is so steadfast. Nobody can come and anybody come along and say there's different mitzvahs. The Torah is forever. The commandments are forever. A Navi can come and say that a certain mitzvah was temporarily suspended for a day. A Navi has a right to do that. If, not if a guy comes down from the hick town and says he's a Navi. Someone who is, we know he's a tzaddik and he's a Navi and we have already full confidence and belief in him, he can say, like Elio, a Navi came and said in specific instruction that the Jewish people are allowed to offer a car but not in the Beis Amigdash. It was a one-time thing. But a Navi can't change a mitzvah forever. Here we're saying that Levi's going to have a portion forever. To make matters, to make it even stronger, the question. The Rambam is one of the people, and so is the Smag and the Rambam, who counts the 613 mitzvahs. The Gemara tells us there are 613 commandments. But like everything in Judaism, there is a big fight. <laughs> Not a fight. There is a big argument and a whole bunch of opinions of how you get to 613. What's counted amongst the 613? There's different versions of the 613. We Jews don't agree on anything. We don't even agree on the 613 commandments. What are the 613 commandments? So there are different accepted. Rambam, Rambam lists his 613. Because really, it's not so simple. There's much more than 613. So there are those you don't count. So there's an argument which ones you count and which you don't count. So the court, one of the rules of the Rambam is, hear this, one of the rules, the Rambam himself writes, what is his rules? By which rule does he go? When he codified the 613 commandments, what was his basis on choosing, selecting some and omitting others? Well, so the Rambam lists a whole bunch of rules. And he says in order for something to be counted in the 613, it must be so, 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 and so. One of the rules the Rambam says a mitzvah needs to have in order for it to qualify in the 613 is that it has to be a mitzvah that will last forever. If it's a mitzvah that was given only for a specific time, that mitzvah, even though it's a commandment, it's not part of the 613. 
The 613 are the ones that will last forever. One of those mitzvahs that the Rambam stated is what? From the 613. Now in, in Sefer HaMitzvahs, I'll tell you where. In addition to Rambam, there is, to Rambam's book Mishneh Torah, Rambam also has a book Sefer HaMitzvahs, the book of commandments. Rambam in the prohibitions, there's 248 positive commandments, 365 prohibitions. Number 169, prohibition 169. He, what's the commandment? Shehizir kol shevet Levi, that all the tribe of Levi was warned, mikachas chelek pe'eretz Yisrael. They may not take a portion in the land of Israel. This is what it says, So Rambam and so the Smag count specifically the mitzvah that Levi may not take a portion in Eretz Yisrael. Now hold it. Rambam himself says that every mitzvah that doesn't apply forever is not counted amongst the 613. If you're going to come and tell me a story that what? That, that this was only in the previous conquest, but in the future it's going to be permitted for Levi to take a portion of Eretz Yisrael. How does, how does it fit with the Rambam? And the Smag too. He, he, Rambam, we're assuming that the Rambam holds so. The Smag says so specifically, and yet he counts this. How, do, how are we going to reconcile? So the Rebbe says something very simple but brilliant, and again, this is going to lead us into the Hasidus of this. Because I know you didn't come for the halachic discussion, you came for the inspiration. So I'm inspired by this because this is I, I, I never really knew this. I was always thought they're going to kick me out somewhere to live in some little tent. And they're going to every night someone else is going to chase me off their, off their property and say, go find someone else to live. And now I have a, I have a nice uh, portion. I'm very excited about this. But for all you non-Levies and non-Kohen who are very comfortable in your possessions, so are waiting for the Hasidus of this. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's answer to all of this is the Rebbe says, it's all hinted to and really in one word. If you look in Rambam, when the Rambam says in Allah Yud that you're not allowed to take a portion in the land of Israel, that Levi is not allowed to take, let's go back to the Allah. Hear these words, Rambam adds one word and that's the answer to everything. Kol Shevet Levi Mizharim, Shevet Levi is prohibited. Shaloyinchalu Be'eretz. The Ramam adds a word after the word Be'eretz. Shaloyinchalu Be'eretz Kenan. That the Levites are prohibited of taking a portion in the land of Canaan. And the land of Canaan. Now why is the Rambam adding the word of Canaan? Usually in most places, Rambam doesn't refer to the land of Israel as Eretz Canaan. Either he says Eretz Yisrael, or he says Haaretz, the land. Why is he suddenly throwing into us the word Canaan? It's a sign that the Rambam is limiting the mitzvah. The mitzvah that it says, the prohibition that says that Levi is not allowed to have a portion, is limited to the land of Canaan. So what does the Rambam mean to exclude when the Rambam says the land of Canaan, he should have said the land. Eretz Yisrael. What does he mean to exclude the land of Canaan? Simple answer is, he's coming to exclude what he says in the next halacha. That if a king in the future generations is going to go take, uh, if a king is going to conquer Spain, let's say a king goes and takes possession of Spain. Spain becomes part of Israel. In that land, since it's not part of Canaan, the Levites are allowed to take a portion. Like he said, like he says later in the next halacha. Maybe that's what he means. 
The Lubavitcher Rebbe says, mm. the Rambam doesn't have to exclude it with the word Kanan. He says it explicitly in the next halacha. So he wouldn't have to exclude it with the word Kanan. That's excluded already. He says, he, he puts it as a, a separate stipulation, explicitly. The Rambam seems to be looking to exclude something else, something else by saying the word of Kanan. What does he mean? He says the Rambam is referring to a land that's not Spain, that's not Mexico, a land that's not Afghanistan, not a country that's essentially alien to Eretz Yisrael. It's a land that really belongs to the Jewish people and inherently is part of Eretz Yisrael, even without a king's conquest. It's a land that has a deep connection to us. But it's not part of Canaan. What's that land that's inherently connected to the Jewish people, but it's not part of Canaan? That's the land of the three nations that are going to be given to us in the future. It's part of the promise that the Abishter promised Avram Avinu. To Avram Avinu, Hashem promised, in, we say it every day in Davening, by the Chorei Sima Yabris, the Abishta made a covenant with Avram, and by the, I'm sorry, by the, there it only says seven, I'm sorry, by the, um, by the Brisbane Absarim, it says in Parshas Lech Lecha, over there it says explicitly that God promised Avram Avinu ten la- land of ten nations, Hakeini, Haknizi, Vahakadmoini, which we know rep- are really Edom, they stand for Edom, Ammon, and Moab. So those countries are going to be added to Eretz Yisrael. Those countries are not Canaan. Canaan was the land of the seven, which the Jews took in the last possession. Those countries are more than foreign countries. They have a much deeper connection to Eretz Yisrael than France or any other, any, any other country here. Any other country that technically could become Eretz Yisrael if we would annex it. But these, this is meant to be Eretz Yisrael. It's not meant to be Eretz Yisrael in the beginning. It's meant to be Eretz Yisrael in the end. Those countries, the Rambam is saying, Levi does not have a problem, a prohibition in having a portion in those three countries. And Levi could have a portion in those. Not only they will have a portion. If so, why didn't the Rambam say it explicitly? So the Rebbe brings an idea from Yad Malachi, from the Klolei Rambam, that the Rambam avoids to say halachis that he didn't find in Shas openly, that is his own idea, he avoids stating it explicitly. You can derive it from his words, but he avoids stating it explicitly, unless under certain circumstances like we saw earlier. But generally that's the rule. So the Rambam does not state it openly, but still by adding the one word, Kanan, Rambam is telling us that the Shevet Levi's prohibition of taking poor part in Eretz Yisrael only applies to the land of Canaan and does not apply to the future conquest of Keni, Knizi, and Kedmoni, which is Edom, Moab, and, 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 and Ammon. Those three countries, the Levium, are going to have a portion of that land. And now we, have no, now we answer the question. Very simple. We ask, how can the Torah change? Torah is not changing. The law that Shevet Levi is not allowed to have a portion in the land of Canaan, that's eternal. That's forever and ever. The Levites are never allowed to have a portion in the land of the seven. 
The land in the, of the three was never included in it. The problem is it wasn't part of Eretz Yisrael in the past. But when it's going to become part of Eretz Yisrael, it's not a problem. And therefore the Torah is not changing. And therefore the Rambam was able to bring that prohibition, even though he only says mitzvahs that are apply forever, not mitzvahs that are temporary. Because that mitzvah applies for all of eternity. Levi can never have a portion in the land of the seven. But Levi will have a portion in the land of the three. Now the question, however, is what's the reason for that? What's the deeper reason for that? So let's take a look a minute in Rambam. Let's see, why doesn't Levi get a portion? Why, why is Levi not given a portion in land? In the first place. So the Ramam says, Ramam himself explains it in, 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 chap, in, in Halacha 12, the, third, the next Halacha, the last Halacha in Hilchah Shemitah and Yovel. The Ramam says, Why didn't Levi get a portion in Eretz Yisrael? And Ramam says, They are not supposed to be people busy with earthy things. These are the, uh, what do they call it? The. Um, they are, they, they are priests, they are uh, the clergy people, they are men of the cloth, as you say, they are, what do they call it? Uh, they, are, uh, they, they, have a higher, they have a higher calling in life. And therefore, they should not be occupied with materialistic things. They should be devoted to its spiritual service. They're supposed to be the mentors and the teachers and the inspiration to all the other people. And therefore, hear these words, they were separated from the ways of the world. They were separated from the ways of the world. And that's why God says, I'll take care of all your physical needs. You're on the house, your livelihood, the rest of the Jewish people will take care of you. They'll provide you with whatever provision in order for you to be able to support your family. You're dedicated to serving God and be an inspiration. And all of your costs should not be, should not be, our, should not be your headache. It's all on us. Fine. That's the idea that Ramam says. If so, let's understand. So why are they giving it when Mashiach comes a portion in the land of the three countries? Isn't that considered a portion of the land? So the Rebbe first explains it simply and then he explains it deeply. On the, meaning more mystically. First he explains it on a simple level. On the simple level he says there is a distinction between the land of seven and the land of the other three. The land of the seven is given to the Jewish people so that the Jewish people should be a nation on earth like all the other 70 nations. 70 nations which God created, in order for you to be a person, you need to be your feet grounded. You need a place that you can call home. Every person needs a place that they can call own home, that they can claim ownership. That's just what makes you into a being on earth. You need a plan. So, the nations were given the entire globe to live in. And for the Jewish people, God separated a holy land. They are a holy people. God gave them a holy land, which means an elevated land. Fine. But even though we have a more elevated land, a more refined land, it is still a land so that we can be a nation. It's more out of necessity. It's so that we can be a nation on earth like everybody else. We have a holy land. Fine. In that case, Shevet Levi, who doesn't live their lives like the rest of humanity, Shevet Levi that are a notch above it, above everyone all, they're 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 living in a, in a higher place. They do not are not given a portion in that land which is associated with worldly existence. 
Shevet Levi, they are otherworldly. They're not part of worldly existence. So therefore, they're not given a portion in the land. How are they going to survive? Everybody will take care of them. We'll give them temporary dwelling places, but they're not part of the world. The Rebbe says, that's the land of the seven nations. The extra land that God is going to give the Jewish people after Mashiach comes, the three extra countries, that's not so that we have place to, that we have a place to put our feet down. That is a special gift that God gives to, to the Jewish people that is way above life on earth. Technically, it's, it's going to be on the land, on earth, but it's not about having a, a physical geographic location that you can live in, that you need it. It's not out of necessity. You see it, the Pasuk actually, when it speaks about those three extra nations, it says, When God is going to broaden your boundaries. The idea of those three extra lands is to broaden our boundaries. To broaden means on many levels. Broaden, to give you more than just just a, a, a physical location to live in. So it's true. He's adding a physical location to, to broaden our space, but it's not about more space to live. It's a higher living. It's a gift. We discussed it two weeks ago and we spoke about why God and Ruven wanted to live on the other side. They wanted to devote themselves to a more spiritual kind of a life. So the land, even, even on the simple pshat, the Rebbe says, the land of the three that will be given to us is not just more space that we need as a people because of population growth. It's, it's not it. It's not, it's not part of that. And therefore, by letting Levi live there, or giving Levi a portion, it's not considered giving Levi a portion of the world, a worldly existence. It's not that, it's something else complete. That's the simple reason how he explains it. But then he explains it more on a mystical explanation, spiritual understanding. And that is related to what we spoke about a few weeks ago. When I told you that the difference between the land of seven and the land of the three is that the land of seven corresponds to the seven human emotions and the land of the three represents the, seven in, the three intellectual aspects. So we know that a human being is comprised of seven emotional attributes and ten intellectual faculties. The reason why we were only given these days the land of seven is because our work during the three and a half millennia since we received the Torah until Mashiach comes is primarily to rectify the emotion. To rectify our, our unholy emotions. To rectify the emotions of humanity. In order to purify emotions and that's our work. Our work of all the mitzvot that we do the work of all the trials and tribulations that we go through and hardships and difficulties and challenges. The reason the Jewish people have been exiled amongst the nations and mingle and intermingle with everyone is to work out, work on these emotions. Each nation, each place we go to presents us with a different um, challenge to our spiritual emotions, to a pure emotion. And we have to work it out. First we struggle, first we feel undesirable emotions. Our emotions get, 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 get misguided. They get drawn into, 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 into they, get, they get tangled in, 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 in negative things. 
And when we struggle, we struggle to be Jewish, we struggle to do mitzvot, we struggle to maintain a connection to God, we develop and extract the sparks of holiness that are in the negative emotions and elevate them. And that's the idea of the land of the seven nations. How about the intellectual, the realm of the intellect? Even though as we spoke then, there is some intellectual work to be done currently as well. We study Torah, that's an exercise of the mind. We, we use our intellect to, to, to guide our emotions. But it says the intelligence that we are occupied with today is a very, very, very low level intelligence. Even the Torah that we study today is a low level Torah. It's a low level of intelligence. When we say low, we mean compared to what's going to be then. The low level intelligence, it's an, an intelligence that is necessary for the rectification of the emotions. It's not pure intelligence. Pure intelligence we're only going to have when Mashiach comes. And that's where the Ramam talks about how the world is going to be suddenly possessed with knowledge. And all the Jewish people are going to become tremendous thinkers, philosophers, theologians, and have unbelievable mystical knowledge, transcendental knowledge. The knowledge of the world is going to exponentially expand. The world's knowledge is going to explode. And the wisdom of Israel and the Jewish people is going to be like crazy. We're going to st- and it's not going to be just for enjoyment. It's going to be work. But it's a different kind of a work. And we're going to be working on the purification of the intellect. Because the intellect also needs purification. But it says the corruption of the emotions is much deeper. And the, corruption, the emotions became much became soiled and corrupted to a much greater degree than the intellect. And therefore the emotional fixing is taking thousands of years until we can fix it. But the fixing of that is associated with the inheritance of the seven countries. Once we go into the land, once Mashiach comes, we're given the land of the seven nations, number, so two things happen. Number one, we become then channels for a much higher intelligence that's going to register once we have the brains. We can look at the three countries that are going to be part of Eretz Yisrael as the physical brain in which God's mind is going to descend into that portion. Just like in our, in our, in our body, in our physical anatomy, we have a physical brain which has three compartments actually. And once you have a physical brain, then the spiritual powers of the mind can operate or operate through that physical brain. So once geographically we're going to have those three nations part of Eretz Yisrael, what that's going to do is it's going to bring down an incredible, powerful manifestation of divine intelligence to the world. With that knowledge and with that exploration, with that powers of the mind, we're going to refine whatever elements of impurity there is still left in the, from the non-holy intelligence that might still be there. Now that kind of work is something that Shevet Levi can take part of. The work of conquering the seven emotions, purifying the emotions, that Shevet Levi should not be part of. And the Rebbe says the reason is because when you work on emotions, the emotional, we take a look at a human being, what's the difference between intellect and emotions? 
Intellect is a, is, is a level very deep within the human being himself, his or herself. Your intelligence is a space within you that's very private. It's how you perceive your world. You are within a space that's very inward. Even though through your intelligence you know things that are outside of you, but you're not entangled. You know it objectively. You know it from a distance. The thing about emotions is, emotion, the whole idea of an emotion is you're contacting the outside. An emotion is how you're becoming attached to things outside of you. And that's why with an emotion, we get all worked up. We get stuck. We get like, we get, we get. So therefore, purifying an emotion involves getting yourself dirty. It involves getting yourself entering into that dark space and extracting. It's an extraction that involves far more investment in whatever it is you're doing the extraction. And because of that, it can cause a certain soiling, a certain getting dirty. To clean it, you will get dirty. Shavit Levi has to be a nation that's a people that are not dirty. Because if everybody gets dirty, well, we won't have anybody that can keep the nation focused. That can keep us, keep us pure, keep us holy. You need to have certain idealists. You need to have certain people that are not, that are not jaded. They're not, they're not you know, they haven't gotten injured by the fight. So they remain aloof. That's only as much as when it comes to rectification of the emotions. The rectification of the intelligence happens from a much more detached state. And therefore, even those that are working, part of the workforce, if you can say, the Levium could be part of the workforce and that messianic type of work that's going to involve the rectification of the intellect, but it does not in any way it doesn't in any way threaten their, 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 uh, their purity. And therefore they will remain pure and elevated and clean even though they're engaged in a purification of the mind. Because the purification of the mind is one that can be accomplished even in a state of havdalah of separation of one being in their inner world. Now, obviously, this idea needs more clarification. I need to think about it more to understand it clearly. I don't have a full, uh, a really good uh, appreciation of this idea. But this is the general gist of it. It could be we don't have such a good appreciation of it because we're not yet living in Mashiach's times. But whatever, I mean, we are living in Mashiach's times, but it's not yet fully manifest. But now is where we're beginning to see that why Shavit Levi, so on that portion there's no problem. Shavit Levi is able to have a portion and they can remain a people aloof, above, unsoiled, un, 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 um, the word, untainted by the, by the, by the, by the whatever, whatever confusion that there might be and questions that there might be, it doesn't impact them. Because it's a purification that can be done without getting your hands dirty. And Shavit Levi can remain in that state. The Rebbe only concludes with one more question. He says, but I don't understand. Rambam says in the days of Mashiach, all the Jews are not going to be occupied with worldly affairs. And all of the Jewish people are going to be occupied only with knowing God. 
That means that everybody is going to be in a very spiritual state. So why is there still going to be a difference then between Shevet Levi? How come the rest of the Jewish people are going to have a portion in the land of the seven? And only Shevet Levi is exempt that they only have a portion in the land of the three, which means because they are occupied only with spiritual pursuits. When Mashiach comes, the Ramam says that all the Jewish people are going to be chachamim, and the whole world. to know God. So why are we still distinguishing between Levi? So he makes a very fine distinction. And he says like this, the rest, of, the rest of the Jewish people are going to be in that elevated state because the world is going to be refined. Not because essentially God chose them to be separated. It's because the world is going to be so elevated, the world is going to be so pure, the world is going to be in such a refined state and that everything is going to be, going to be such abundance. There's going to be so much... Blessing in the world, everything is going to be beriboy, everything is going to be so much. It's not going to require for us to go to work. There's just going to be, you know, computers are going to do everything, robots are going to do everything, cars will drive on their own, whatever, no, Google, um, what is it when you order it? No, Amazon, Amazon Prime is going to be like a million times better than it is now. Everything is going to be delivered, shopping, you're not going to have to do a thing. You know, well, the only thing you're going to be doing is what? By the way, you should know that this whole idea of Rambam, that we're coming to a time when we're not going to be occupied with anything, is already conceivable today. It's conceivable today that in 30 years from now, no one's going to have anything to do. No one's going to have anything to do, because computers are going to run everything. The only thing you can do is read books. That, uh, get knowledge. Oh, so if so, but the Rebbe is saying... That's not because they were designated by God to be His people. It's because the world is going to supply everything, so therefore we're going to be occupied in knowing Hashem. It's going to be the only interest. So therefore, it doesn't require from the rest of the Jewish people an inherent separation. But Shevet Levi, they, the Kohanim and the Leviim, were directly separated from a higher calling. God has separated them to be devoted only to Him. And for that reason, the Shevet Levi should not have any portion and any kind of grubbiness, any kind of coarseness, anything that has to do with fixing, correcting, that involves any kind of getting soiled, doesn't belong. Shavit Levi needs to be clean, clean, clean on the highest level of, of cleanliness. And for that, they can't be involved in, 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 in the purification process. Purification process is left for the rest of the Jewish people, even in this messianic age. And, and it's, what's, it's a chiddush over here where the novelty is that there is going to be a purification process even then, even though we would think we're all done, but I guess there is purification after purification after purification. And those purifications don't belong for Shevet Levi. They are completely above and beyond at all. But in the land of Israel, I'm sorry, in the land of the three nations, which correspond to Chabad, Chachma, Bina, and Das, in that element, Shevet Levi could be part of the workforce, as we said earlier, because that kind of refinement and that kind of work does not cause any soiling of any element because it could be done in an absolutely detached state. And that's the state of the Levium and the Kohanim. May we merit to already walk into our gardens and our vineyards and our most exquisite land of Eretz Yisrael that is going to be so unbelievably rich 
and beautiful. Be'ezra Sashem now. Yes, I knew you.